If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. I mean, I like that people can learn from me, but I try not to be like, I am a ultimate source of information. I try to point towards other people because I'm like, they are much, I'm on my own journey right now and I'm sharing my feelings about my journey so that other people feel seen and other people feel heard. I am not an ultimate source of information. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. (laughs) Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. I'm just gonna start this recording. Well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, it's so great to have you here. Can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, when your love for comedy began, and a little bit about your journey in the industry? Ooh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. So I am originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I always really, like, loved performing and stuff, and I found it as like a huge outlet when I was a kid especially like when I grew up in special ed and I grew up um and I wasn't really good at school ever and I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was very young so like I didn't really like have a lot of things I was very good at and then like I found like theater and stuff and I was like okay I'm decent at this I'm good at this but I even started like making I kind of realized this when I started like making videos and stuff was I would I would make like sketches and videos and stuff like from a young age and even before I like when I first saw like iCarly I remember me and my best friend Tori we tried to have like our own web show instead of like web series that's what it was called back then like we're just (laughs) like oh my god a web show or like a oh remember when they called it video cast or a webcast or something on like Zoe 101 or yeah it's so fun I rewatched a bunch of Nickelodeon and Disney shows recently I was and I was listening to that early 2000s language like oh oh my goodness and then I moved to continue doing 
theater and stuff. I like went to school for theater in New York and I kind of noticed that I was trying very, very hard to be like, you know, I kind of like fell out of love with theater while I was in college, which I know is not what you're supposed to do. But I then kind of like moved to LA after I graduated and I was kind of trying to figure out where I fit exactly and I fell in love with comedy and stuff and did UCB and I always really really like sketch comedy I just never thought I was funny enough and Mm -hmm. then I did improv and stuff like that and I still after doing that thought I wasn't funny enough (laughs) but like then I kind of found my own little during the pandemic I just kind of started doing my own thing online and then I just really found like my own little corner of the internet of people who thought I was funny you know like a lot of people encouraging me you know you are funny it's just really really hard when you're in a educational setting and like the favoritism goes to the in improv schools especially uh not calling anyone out specifically but kind of maybe supporting those like guys who wear like glasses and flannel and think that they're Seinfelds like yeah you know what I mean I completely know what you mean Oh my God. So yeah, that's kind of like what I did. And I really just like fell in love with it. And in that I fell in love with like kind of once I got diagnosed with autism, I fell in love with educating people about making comedy videos about like ADHD and autism and stuff complaining online, basically. That's what I, I was kind of just like fed up and just like, I'm just gonna like share everything online because I don't give a f- anymore. You know what I mean? So <laughs> So I want to go back to what you were talking about, about how you got diagnosed with autism. At what point in your journey in entertainment did that happen? And how did it change anything or did it not change anything? Oh my God. I feel like it changed everything. A few weeks ago, me and one of my other autistic friends who we actually got diagnosed around the same time. I mean, I've been out in LA for six years. I've been like in the entertainment industry for like 10, 12 And I was only diagnosed in 2020. And me and my friend were watching this video that this like one of those YouTube dating shows. That's how we met. And it didn't work out, but we're friends. It's okay. (laughs) And we were watching it back. And I noticed I was like stone cold, you know, just like making face all the time. It was really weird. Like I was just trying, it looked like I was trying to like model or something. Like it was just, I was just trying to keep like a stoic face, just trying to keep myself calm. Don't get too excited. Don't move your hands. Don't. And I was like, wow, I don't remember trying to control myself that much, but I got exhausted watching it because I was like, Wow, I because I did not have this much personality at all. And I kept my answers very short. It was really, really amazing to watch because I was very contained. And I feel like it kind of getting diagnosed with autism kind of made me realize, okay, so I haven't been the problem this whole time. It hasn't been me. So it kind of made me... It made me very relieved, but also very angry. It kind of gave me a case of like the... everyone everything and then I was just like I'm just gonna do me and I don't care who likes it or I mean I still care a little bit but it kind of gave me the and I feel like that really really helped and I kind of noticed that the acting stuff started to like happen a lot more because I think I was just being very because before I was just being very robotic and like now I'm just a little bit more myself And I just never really understood that until I was diagnosed with autism when I realized, oh, there was nothing ever wrong with me. 
definitely Adderall and uh, Prozac helps, but yeah. yeah. Wait, so when you were watching it back, you were saying your personality was very like almost robotic. Is that how you always were before your diagnosis? Or was it just this one instant that you were like, wait, I don't know what was going on over there, but this is not who I am. So I was heavily masking. And for like those who don't know what masking is, it's basically where a neurodivergent person, and this isn't just with autistic people, people with ADHD, people with OCD, bipolar disorder, you know, like also mental illnesses, BPD, and even depression, people with depression also like mask a lot, where you just literally try to appear neurotypical. And you basically pick up all of these. And it's very different because I've gotten like a lot of doesn't everybody do that? It's like very extreme. And you pick up all of these, you repeat things that you heard, like say a, an instance of masking is like when I was like in college, I heard someone say a joke and other people laughed at it. And so I would repeat the same joke just to appear to be the funnier person. And I know everyone does that, but it's kind of hard to explain. It's very robotic almost. Like you're just basically building up your own fake persona. So you just don't, it gives you insane identity issues and insane. It's really, really hard to like discover who you are if you're building this fake persona. And where it started building up, I figured out kind of in therapy was when I was younger. I was younger, I was very, very extroverted. And of course, I was more extroverted to people I was comfortable around and like my close friends. But I, around everyone else, I was just very robotic, very kept that was just heavily heavily masking in front of everyone I'm guessing it was probably like born out of me experiencing some backlash because mm. I was from my personality so I learned you know okay this is what you don't do this is what you and of course I had teachers and special ed they always taught me don't do this don't do that and so I, it just made everything super robotic so it's just like yeah masking can last a really it can have like heavy heavy effect I mean I still do it I mean I've unmasked more through my new like therapeutic techniques and stuff but it's it's very very difficult especially and it makes acting school made a lot of sense after that why I could never why my teachers were always just like why can't you be vulnerable and I was like because I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's really interesting to hear all of this because my cousin has autism. He's 60. He just turned 16 yesterday, actually. But Oh, awesome. I know. But in my family, it's like we come from an Indian background. So everything, like any mental illness too, and also neurodegenerative disorders it's like in our community, we don't talk about it. So when I have depression and anxiety, we don't talk about it. It's like, oh, kind of hush, 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 right? But we obviously knew that he's autistic, but we never talked about it as a family. Like, hey, this is how, you know, like things are going to change for him or he might not be having such a great time and all this stuff. So there wasn't any education around it. The only education that I did was in college and in high school when I was like oh I'm super interested in psychology and like maybe I can learn a little bit about autism through my studies but I've never actually gone out and talked to someone who also is on the spectrum mm -hmm. so it's really interesting to see like I never knew what masking was and I now that you're saying your experience I'm like damn like yes I see that he definitely has been doing he's been masking probably like for most of his life and it's just, it breaks my heart because I wish I did a lot more research into, you know, autism, but 
I'm going to be seeing him when I go back to England. So hopefully I can change that. Oh yeah. That's so cool. And like, honestly, I always tell people it's, it's, we were conditioned to think that, you know, the way we were brought up, we can't help the way we were conditioned. And I always think it's like amazing when people find out these things and just are, oh my God. Like, yeah, it's just, I am always just like, yes, yes. Let's all learn about it. Let's all like, yeah just wonderful to me and because I didn't know I literally didn't know these things until a couple years ago and I mean I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was young so I've been like aware of my neurodivergence for a while but uh for most of my life but I never knew that it was this much not my fault like you know what I mean and yeah it's like it's exhausting and having that support from other people being interested in it is just amazing to me and I'm like yay yay autism is cool yay finally (laughs) wait but why did you go on the dating show that's the most important question here (laughs) (laughs) okay I did it for okay I didn't think I was gonna meet the love of my life on that show but I, it, I mean, it was going to pay 200 bucks. I was like, I need money. Might as well. They made me out to be the villain though. I got the villain edit, which is kind of iconic because like I'm a huge reality TV fan. And I was like, oh my God. But I remember that was my first little taste of hate comments and stuff. That was way before I had like, I think I had like a, fa- a thousand followers to my name. And I was literally so upset. I was like, I got the villain edit. They literally made me a villain. Just because I rescheduled our date a couple times and I was filming something during that summer so it's like you know when you're filming you have like no time because you're just like on set all the time but I'm kind of like obsessed with the fact that I got a villain edit I'm just like (laughs) oh dream come true that is me (laughs) for real so with ADHD as an actress or actor how do you manage learning lines and all like your focus I, I, you mentioned you're an Adderall now, but is there any challenges that you face? I have ADD and it's really, really hard for me to even, and I'm not on medication anymore. I got off of it because it made me feel robotic. So I got, I weaned myself off of that, but now like just trying to sit down and pay, like have all this focus. It, I don't know something's not working for me right now. Congrats on getting off medicine because that's like really hard because like I still I've been trying to wean off of it a little bit because like I've been on it since I was like seven. I'm horrible at learning lines like it's actually like kind of the thing I'm the most worst at and like in college we did Shakespeare and Jacobean and I I just could not learn it especially Jacobean because it doesn't have like the pattern and I and like Chekhov I hate Chekhov oh my god if I have to read one more monologue about a woman being like oh my god a man doesn't love me because I'm just like so plain uh, and there's a bird and there's a tree I'm like I f-ing check off oh my god but <laughs> I hope my acting teacher doesn't hear this but I kind of figured out my own system after a while but like I mean it's still hard luckily I have an agent that's a disability agent specifically like specializes in uh, represents performers with disabilities and she amazing because I didn't even realize the amount of challenges and the amount of accommodations I could get on set and she told me in our meeting and I literally cried in the meeting I was like oh my god it was the most comfortable I've ever felt like in a meeting and that's when I knew like okay this is a great match because literally she told me what I could or I think I cried after the meeting maybe I was like but she could probably tell that I was like welling up a little bit but like just getting extra time and also like 
I mean, I like what I do now is I literally have to like study something to a T and I just know that's the way my brain works. I can't be holding a script. I can't. And it's just something that I've adapted to over time. School definitely helped with that, like in the stuff. But if I have a lot of commercial auditions and then get a theatrical one, like after like a month of not getting any theatrical, then I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. <laughs> We actually had um, a guest come on. Her name's Emily, and she was telling us about using teleprompters for auditions, which is I've never thought about doing that. And now, because it's been so much time, so I haven't had an audition since the 24th of February. So I feel like I'm going to start when everything gets back to normal. I'm going to I'm going to test it out. Having a teleprompter for a self tape, like putting your phone up or something. Yeah. So I think she has an iPad. She's got an iPad out with, it's a teleprompter app, I think, or she goes to a studio and they help her. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but it's in our episode. So I'll find it and I'll send it to you if I remember. But yeah, there's someone who she goes to who helps her self tape and there's a teleprompter there and she's looking at it, but it looks like she's looking at the reader. Even better, like a much (laughs) way of doing this that I just tried. I had an audition on Sunday I made my boyfriend go on a Zoom with me, had him share his screen of the script and just had him put the line at the top so my eyeline always stayed the same. That is genius. For real. Oh my God. I got to keep that in mind. What was the audition? For the seagull. I haven't done a play in so long and Ash is inspiring me because she's about to go back to theater school. And I moved to New York in August and I've decided that I should do a play while I'm here before I go back to LA. Yes. So anyway, I did the audition, but they're adapting it to make it modern day. And I know the director pretty well. So I was like, you know what? I think that this would be better if I recorded it in the subway. So I made my boyfriend and my dog come to the subway with me. We sat like I put a jacket down. I took these mics that we have for a red carpet that plug into a phone. I clipped it onto my dress and then it was onto him so that you could hear the sound and made my boyfriend like sit there with the phone so I could do the audition in the subway. (laughs) What? Yeah. You are committed. That is or I'm crazy. That's the question, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm crazy too. So I like we I, all are. Yeah, <laughs> we're all, we all chose this, like chose the entertainment industry. So that automatically yeah. makes us crazy. Exactly. But, um, oh my God. So here's the thing. I love theater. I love watching theater. Check off. I just can't, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't you know there's some plays that you read that resonate with you and some that don't it's just like film and tv some some stuff resonates with you and some doesn't check off I would rather you know stab my big toe <laughs> than read another check off play <laughs> like I just can't my brain just hates it it's just yeah like I said I really hope my 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 checkoff teacher doesn't listen to this but I probably will but like (laughs) I hope you get it (laughs) but you know what was better about it was that they're adapting the script to modern day so he was like the lines don't matter at all just improv it and these are the three beats that I wanted you to, to hit so I just read the sides that he sent watched the video of the actual monologue and then just took what I thought was behind the lines and improv from that. So. Oh, I love that. So oh it my was like God. a cool exercise actually. Yeah. And I'm crazy and I did it on the subway, but. 
Oh, I love that so much more because what bothered, what always bothered me was that the, whenever he wrote for a woman, it's just like, this is not, this is the most, like, I feel like he always wrote from a woman's perspective, but wrote them as very, like, they're desperate for love, desperate, which, like, some of us are, but, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's just desperate for love, desperate for a man to love them. And I feel like if they, if the lines were just changed a little bit, and I don't know, it just, it just really didn't, and all the talk about trees and eagles. Birds. And like, <laughs> I just, I just couldn't. I don't know why. It just like, you know, that was the worst semester of my life. It's my plan B dream if I don't make anything of myself is to marry a rich lady and be the first lesbian real housewife. Oh, uh, sick. <laughs> that is sick. Scream at people, tell them, yes. be like, you're a oh, bitch. Like, you my know, God. yes. Day drinking a lot. Oh, yes. No, that is okay. Like, yes, you need but to. But if that. listen, you are some you are gonna make something of yourself. Okay, like you are definitely you're gonna become successful and your career is already you're you're doing great. But I think <laughs> I think on the sidelines, though, you should make that show, like produce yes. it, and yes. then you know, have your guest appearances in there. <laughs> Yes. No, actually one of my friends is like a, is like a autistic YouTuber and we're talking about it and we're just like, it wants to produce reality TV. And I was like planting those seeds. I was like, I was like, I need to be, a le- I don't know which franchise it would be. Maybe New York. Cause they drink a lot and I want to drink a lot when I'm older. <laughs> yeah. I guess like I want to date drink a lot when I'm older, like have a little, not like, not like, in a, no, I'm not saying I want to be an, I, I aspire to be an alcoholic. I, I'm saying I want to just have a mimosa during the day. I just want to like, uh, this girl is my cat's birthday party. Like she brought the wrong, she brought someone I don't like, you know what I mean? I just want to be like, uh, it's just, but of course, obviously very fake. You know what I mean? I'm putting this on for the you know what I mean? Yeah, why like, not start yeah. now? You know, I feel like maybe this should be a YouTube series now. Oh, like a gay Real Housewives? Yeah, yeah like, I feel like you should start filming this. I don't know. But if you wait, no, no. But Beth needs to marry a rich lady first. Yes, it I only do. Works. It only works. No, but if it's you're if we make it person. fictional, Osh. Like it could be um, like she starts as fictional and then builds her brand doing this so that she gets to be a real one. And you attract like the brand you know, you on attract its head. what you put out. Yeah. Oh, if I like, okay, I'm married to like an OnlyFans girl that makes like <laughs> millions yes. of dollars. And because let's be real, they make so much money. Yeah, I've dated like a couple of OnlyFans girls and the amount of money that they fucking make. I was like, literally, I will be your little housewife. I don't care. Oh my God, that would be, that's a really great idea. You need okay, to I'm really considering this because I like, okay. here's the thing. I like love like, oh, I like love reality TV so much. I know I'm built for it, but it really, really sucks that reality TV is kind of a pigeonhole in our industry. Like if you do oh, it, yeah. then that's the yeah. only thing you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, if it was like fictional, you know what I mean? If it was like a spoof or like mock almost, that's very, very different. Yeah. Like I wish I could do both in the future. You know what I mean? I wish I, I could do I think you can. I think this is just the beginning. I feel like it's kind of the bridge with drag race and stuff. Drag race has kind of like been bridging the gap between like reality TV and mainstream. Well, also like the Kardashians and like. What um, about like Addison Rae? Oh, yeah. Wait, Addison Rae 
does that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She she has that that show. He's all that. Yeah. 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 Oh, and she has a show to. Oh, oh, yeah. Of course she has a show. Yeah. But (laughs) and when she's friends with the Kardashians, so win, 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 win. Anyway, if you need a producer for your new show, I'm available. Oh my God, wait, let's make this happen. Let's have, oh my God, yes. Okay, definitely. I'm I'm very in love with this idea. Okay, oh, my dreams are coming true. <laughs> wow, all you have to do is come on this podcast. Who knew? Who knew? Literally, this podcast, we make dreams come true. Okay, yeah, no, don't make that your tagline. It sounds very, it sounds... <laughs> I've been obsessed well, with reality TV, actually. For my New Year's resolution, I was like, I am not watching reality tv like i need to be productive and if i get hooked to a show i'm a couch potato and i will watch that show until it's done and then like two weeks ago all this drama has been coming out with vanderpump rules and i was like god damn it i need to catch up so i spent (laughs) i spent on a sunday i was on my couch for 11 hours catching up and i (laughs) didn't I didn't even get through, like, I didn't even get through half of season eight. I literally was like, after 11 hours, back to back, I don't think I got up to pee like more than like three times. I don't know what was going on that Sunday. Gosh, this is why you have anxiety about your move, because you sat on a couch for 11 hours. I know, I know. But now I'm done. I'm finally done. I caught up. My friends who were staying with me from Milwaukee, I was like, you guys have to, like, we're not watching anything else on my TV. Like, I have the I'm the captain. We're watching mm-hmm. Ben Rules until I get to the bottom of this drama. <laughs> and I got to the bottom of it, and then the show is over, and I feel like I have nothing to live for. Do you have like some thoughts that you've developed since getting to the bottom of it? I am pissed, okay, because I was on, I was Team Raquel because she was getting bullied and people were just so mean to her. And then at the end of the show, she is the one that cheated with her best friend's boyfriend of 10 years. So she was the villain, but pretending she wasn't the villain and she got my sympathy. And I was like, you feel backstabbed. I feel backstabbed. Yeah. I personally am waiting for an apology. I'm sorry. (laughs) And if anyone does not know what we're talking about and you do want one reality TV show to watch, please go watch Vanderpump Rules. It's so good. Oh, I'm not caught up. I've heard about the drama. I'm not caught up on the drama. I I didn't know Vanderpump Rules had eight seasons. I've seen like the first. No, there's 10. There's 10? Wait, I holy sh- okay. I like the first four. Okay, okay, yeah. Same. So I saw the first six, and then I took a giant break from it because I was like, this is just, I don't really care. And then two weeks ago, I started from seven and caught up seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, okay, yeah, because I've watched videos on the drama, so I, like, kind of loosely know what it's about. It's kind of like with the Kardashians. I am very aware of the problems with the Kardashians, and I do not... I want to say I do not entirely like them like as a unit because the stuff I've heard is pretty shady but god I was obsessed with the show oh my god like no I watched um I stopped watching once they got very aware of their image once they got less messy I was like I kind of stopped watching but during Christmas break I was here and I like didn't really have anyone to hang out with so I was just kind of like by myself so what I did was I went on to Hulu and I saw their new show and I was like god and I got through all of those seasons in a day and then I rewatched it <laughs> and then
then I ended up starting from the beginning of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and I had a good time. That show was wow. so good. It was the shit that they said and did. You just can't write that. It's just so like it's my. How mind, is but, the new one oh. on Hulu? It's honestly, you can obviously tell it's them trying to, I also wanted to watch it because of all the drama that was happening. I wanted to see the story behind it exactly with like Vanderpump, with the Vanderpump Rules. It's very, I mean, I enjoyed watching it, but like the Kardashians are also like, they may, you know, laundering money through a fake church or whatever, but they're very good at making TV. They are really, really good at making TV. And you could definitely tell they were trying to cover their asses a lot, but like, I love seeing that. I love seeing them trying to, you know, desperately oh, cover their asses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And trying to make themselves, they were trying to make themselves seem so innocent and pure. There was this one scene of Kylie and Chris going through a car wash. I guess trying to make themselves seem so humble. And they were like, oh my God. Like genuinely like, wow. <laughs> oh, this is so fun. Oh, wow. They were like, oh my God, we should do that again. It's like a roller coaster. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I love the car wash though. I don't even hate it. I can't even be mad at them. I'm scared oh, of the car I, wash. It's so fun. It is no, so I fun. Think there's too many things happening at one time for me. That's what I like about it. I'm like, where do I look? I feel like a squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. squirrel. Yeah. Oh, I don't drive, so I can't go through a car wash. But if I ever do drive, I definitely will give it a go. <laughs> I'll take you. We can go through the car wash. Oh, my God. Oh my and God. we'll talk about your script. For we'll talk about our show. show. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's where the meeting occurs in a car wash. keep going back and around the car wash. <laughs> we'll go around the car wash and we'll, like. You oh, that actually. That sounds like so I can still take notes. <laughs> oh my god that sounds so fun i am in i am all in that's like my favorite thing doing a mundane everyday task and talking about scripts is my favorite thing <laughs> i can re-watch a show and it's not that i'm obsessed with it it's familiar and it's comfortable and it's background noise and i can be doing something else with something in the background that I've seen a million times. But I have that, and I know everyone has a show like that, but I have that with like a lot of shows. Yeah, I have like a repeating cycle of shows that, I mean, I right now it's Drag Race. I've started to, I mean, I've seen every season of Drag Race like a million times and All Stars and Canada and UK. And yeah, I'm, I, I love drag queens quite a lot. I've started to watch the shows that were, that spiraled off of drag race or that spinned, spin, spiraled, spinned. No, spiraling is what I do. Spinning off is what shows do. Yeah. A spinoff. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Spinoffs. And I've been in a period of time where I've been making content really hard. And of course, Pride Month is like uh, right now and it's lifting up my spirits a little bit. But yeah, like I go through like periods of time where I'm just very, very burnt out and very uninspired. I'm curious since you were diagnosed as autistic, and this is a hard question, but do you feel like you've developed a sense of responsibility to other creatives who are like looking at you and seeing you and they're like, I want to do what she's doing. She's autistic and she's still able to do that. Like, how has that formed if it has since you were diagnosed? Oh my God. Yeah. When I was 
I was seven and I was diagnosed with severe ADHD. So I, and they wanted to diagnose me with autism, but, or they wanted to, they had to do like further testing, but it was like my, I don't know if I should say this, but, uh, okay. But I was not able to because of a parent thing, you know what I mean? Which really, really sucks. Well, also, I understand why, because, you know, my mom really didn't want me to be the autistic kid in class because, you know, that like has such a negative, especially in the early 2000s that had such, there were such scary stories out. Like, so I understand from that perspective, but it was pretty fucked up. So when I, when I was being like raised, I was kind of raised to be like, just you know, you're just as good as everyone else. Just hide it. You can do anything that everyone else can do. You have to work 10 times harder than everyone else. So I definitely feel like I've had to honestly, because I've been on my own journey. And of course, the shit I say, the shit I said online a year ago is probably different than how I feel now. And it's very, and I try not to be very That's why I try not to be super educational. I mean, I like that people can learn from me, but I try not to be like, I am a ultimate source of information. I try to point towards other people because I'm like, they are much, I'm on my own journey right now and I'm sharing my feelings about my journey so that other people feel seen and other people feel heard. I am not an ultimate source of information because also I'm a comedian. A comedian is the, unless you're like Trevor Noah or something, you know what I mean? You, I am not a good source of information. I make jokes a lot of the time. And also my audience is a lot of the time is autistic people and I'm autistic. I know this. Sometimes we take jokes very literally. And (laughs) yeah, so I try really, really hard. And I don't know if I accomplish this, but like just so that people don't take me like too seriously or, and I want them to learn from me. I want them to feel inspired by me. It's a huge responsibility because I understand. And I kind of felt the weight of that responsibility the first time someone messaged me and said, The first time I ever talked about the suicide rate for autistic people, which is very, very high, specifically for undiagnosed autistic people who go their whole lives, you know, thinking that there's something wrong with them. And then they get to a point where they just can't take it anymore. And the first time someone messaged me and said, you know, I was feeling very, very suicidal. And then you said the suicide rate. And I all of a sudden just felt really angry and was like, I'm not going to be part of that statistic. And I was like, I potentially just saved someone's life simply by ranting online. And that's amazing to me. It's just, and I don't consider myself a hero because that's sad that people don't know this. You know what I mean? It's just really, really sad. And it's really, really Because once I heard the suicide rate, like, it's really unbelievable when you hear it. Because, like, undiagnosed autistic people have, like, a life expectancy of, like, 36. It's, like, very young. I know. It's insanely young. And a lot of the times it's because of suicide. Some There is a huge drowning part of it that is that makes it very young. But also when I heard it, it, sometimes you hear those and you can't believe it. Like, right away I was like, no, yeah, yeah, I get it. And that was really sad to me how believable it was. So yeah, yeah, just went in a very dark direction. But that's kind of like, that's kind of when I feel the responsibility, that's what I think about. And I'm just like, okay, I have someone's life in my hands, potentially. It's kind of like, I don't want to come across as like a therapist or like a educational person because I, I know I have that responsibility. 
and I want to make sure that I'm that I'm like just caring about each person you know what I mean yeah yeah no I had chills as you were saying that and I totally relate because I was also tested a lot as a kid because I have really horrible handwriting and Osh makes fun of me for this all the time, actually. But my mom has dyslexia, so she thought that I was also dyslexic. So I was getting tested, I was getting tested. And when you're talking about that period in the early 2000s, it was like very embarrassing to be kept like extra time or being one of the people that needed extra time to take the SAT. And because my handwriting was so bad, they wanted to give me a computer to take all my notes on a computer. And this was when nobody had been taking notes on a computer. So I absolutely refused to use the computer because I didn't want to be the only kid using the computer in the class. But it like got so bad to the point that my teachers couldn't read anything that I was writing, that it was like affecting whether I was going to get into colleges or not. I was getting really low grades in one of my classes because they could not read like what I was writing in an equation. Um, And it was like a cognitive disability, but because it wasn't like a a common disability that people have, I see numbers differently. And when I go to write them down, it looks differently than other people do it. So people always just thought that, oh, like she has bad handwriting, it's not a big deal, but they never were able to really, because it's not like a, a diagnosable thing. It's not something you can take medication for. It's just that I don't view words the same way other people do. Dude, I feel bad now. (laughs) No, it's fine. I'm just saying that like that time period when you're young, you so badly want to fit in with everybody else that even when it's deeply affecting you and deeply affecting how you're doing in school and how you're performing, you're at least I was, I was so pushing against that because I wanted to be like everyone else. No, I so relate to that. Oh my God. I was in different classes than all of my friends. And I'm so sorry that that happened. I've never heard of that. Is it dyscalculia or? No, it's oh. it's so oddly specific. And the, the thing with it is that I didn't actually need the extra time because it's not taking me longer to do something. It's just that like the way that I'm writing it isn't the way I don't hold the pencil, right? Like I don't do any of the proper things that you're supposed to be doing when you see something and then you go to put it down. But I like wanted to be normal. So I pushed against it so heavily. Yeah, that's like, that's wild to me. It's just like, it's so unfair, because it's just it's something that you literally can't control. And yet you're getting like penalized for it. It sucks that there's no answers to what it is. After all these tests and everything, it's like, well, we can't tell you what it is. But it's just like, you know, yeah. I spent so much time with an SAT tutor, because I would score really heavily in some things. And then like, crazy low in other categories because there just wasn't a a right accommodation for what I have. Even with autism and ADHD, the diagnostic criteria was very, very different. When I was a kid, you couldn't get diagnosed with autism and ADHD at the same time. I mean, you in like back in like 2002, the diagnostic criteria was heavily based in testing on the test groups were white, cis, men and boys you know what I mean so it wasn't very fair because autism and those assigned female at birth are very very different because of the way we're brought up socially and it's very interesting it's very interesting how much professionals actually don't know (laughs) you know what I mean like obviously you know yourself way better than obviously professionals they know 
some things like I'm not saying mental health professionals don't know anything like I see a therapist I see a psych I see a psychiatrist a psychologist but ultimately you know yourself a lot better and you need to find someone that you know knows that mental health professionals and teachers and stuff the ones that have faith in you and stuff that those are the ones that really like helped me and that know that you're trying your best and that know that this isn't your fault there's some that really just don't help and they're so mean and I'm like why so there's some where I saw this psychiatrist I initially went to her for my panic attacks and she was really not helpful at all because all it felt like she was doing was just diagnosing me she diagnosed me with like five things and that's all it felt like she was there to do to write prescriptions get money and not she wasn't hearing anything that I was saying and she kept keep writing her notes keep writing her notes keep writing her notes and the next time that I would go see her she would ask me the same questions but not in the way like hey you said this last time can you tell me more about it it was the exact same question so I was like you just spent an hour writing everything that I told you why are you not consulting your notes now it just feels like you're not hearing me and you're just writing things down so that you could be like okay this disorder this disorder this disorder and then like write prescriptions for it so after that I don't know I just it my belief in the system is just like I don't know if this is a money-making thing or what but I'm now doing a um, health and wellness course to kind of figure it out on my own rather than just rely on these people that maybe not all of them are like that but for that was my one and only experience and I was like no I'm done I just am like so selective about the mental health professionals I choose now because it needs to be someone who's passionate about it you know what I mean who's passionate about like even with my autism diagnosis I looked for someone specifically who had experience diagnosing women and non-binary people because and my key thing was non-binary people because the person I'm looking for they know there's a difference they're with it you know like they're they're not like led by their what's it called when someone's like ego yes Mm. ego Mm -hmm. so with everything that you've been doing do you have things that you need to do every day that allow you to be like top of your game at the best place in pursuing everything that you're pursuing like a morning routine or healthy habits Ooh, I've been working on those (laughs) (laughs) they change a lot I know that when I go on set, it's a completely different experience than when I'm filming a video, you know what I mean? Because sets are a, beforehand, sets were a very, very awful environment for me. I liked, you know, acting and like being and being um, on camera and stuff and like being and I, I like doing that. But being on set was, it was just very, very difficult for me because I can't really tell what the, cause you know, directors are like, they just want to get the product done and they have a lot of people. So it might come across as if they're like mad at you, but it's not really, they just are stressed and need to get everything done. And, but of course, I don't know how to read people's facial expressions or people's tone very well. So if someone's on a God mic giving me directions, I remember I was doing this stunt And this was around the time I was first diagnosed with autism. I think I was diagnosed like a month beforehand and I was on set for this commercial and I was doing a stunt and this set was really, really amazing. It was, I just didn't have all the tools within myself at the time. Everyone was really cool. I even wrote everyone on the crew and and the 
ad agency and the the production cut. I wrote them all like thank you cards because it was like my first time being on set since I was diagnosed with autism. And I was like, this meant the world to me. You know what I mean? And I didn't know how to ask. I, I literally was doing the stunt and I, w- I probably had the least complicated stunt of the day so of course everybody's thinking okay all the other actors were fine with these stunts this actor will be fine with this stunt and I of course was nearly in tears because I there was this scraping metal sound and like behind me and like and the director was on the god mic and I didn't know how to like my brain can't connect I need to see I I usually need to see someone tell to show me what to do rather than tell me what to do because verbal instructions are very very hard for me and this was my problem in school too they thought I didn't care because I couldn't take the directions very well because they wouldn't show me they would tell me and I tried very very hard but it just doesn't connect and and then I would start to like cry in the middle of the scene and then they would just be like you oh yeah the question was (laughs) do you have a morning routine okay yes I I do this I'm so sorry no but it's so interesting please yeah please finish 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 the story yeah (laughs) yeah like but um I would be like and then they would think that and then I would cry and then they would be like you need to tough thicken your skin and then that would make me mad because I'm like you have no idea what the fuck I've been through I'm just sensitive because I'm just I've had it and I'm tired and like and granted they were very this is like the best treatment I've gotten on it you know what I mean so it's like this is the best treatment I've gotten on a set so other sets have been like a complete nightmare and I mean, some have been like really, really wonderful, but like when I met with my agent and said that I can actually have someone come to set with me, who's like a familiar person who can be the, who can remind me to drink water, remind me to eat, because that's really, really hard when you're autistic is remembering to like eat, drink, go to the bathroom. Like, cause your brain just literally can't, your body just, it's really, really hard to read what's going on in your body. So, you know, something's off, but you don't know what it is. And it's really, really hard for me to be able to tell when I'm hungry and when I'm thirsty or when I'm, uh, but I'll be like hangry, but then it'll just be like, what's wrong with me? And (laughs) you know what I mean? And I can actually bring someone to set. And that person is also communicates with the director to me and then communicates it in a way that I will understand having my own. And just to know that I had that I, I should have been having that. I literally, that's when I broke into tears during my meeting because I was literally just like, I have never had someone give me that kind of, I mean, it's just like, it's just amazing to me because it's just like, it was never my fault. I was never the lazy one. I was, cause I believed all of that. Now with my morning routines and stuff, I have like a lot of sensory because, you know, sensory issues are a big thing for me. Uh, this is actually something that helps me. I have a hammock chair that I like could lay in. And it kind of like squeezes me. And yesterday, no, 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 Sunday, I had an event for Pride. And it was like this really, really nice pool party and stuff. And it's really, really hard for me to be in environments like that. I mean, I love it because I'm bougie, but I, or I want to be bougie. Like I want to be a real housewife. I mean, for real. But like, but it's very, very hard for me to be in social situations like that. So I had a safe person with me, someone else who's also autistic, who makes me feel like my best friend Verity, who makes me feel very safe and who's very, like, if I feel like 
like I'm being awkward. I can like go to, uh, like I can, Verity helps me out in conversations and or calms me down if I'm just feeling very like, or if I need to go away, Verity will like, you know, just kind of, yeah, just be just really like there. And I have little fidget toys. I play with my jewelry a lot and I give myself a very slow morning. If I have to be, I, I'm not the type of person where I can like, wake up, say I have something at like this, for example, I um, woke up at seven because instead of, I could have woken up at like nine, but I woke up at like seven because I know I need at least like three hours to wake up, have a, I need to have a slow morning because if I'm rushed, it just stresses me out. And I now know this about myself because I understand why I had such a miserable time in college some days because I didn't give myself that three hours to just decompress, watch a couple episodes of like a comfort show, eat some comfort food, just like take my medicine, cuddle with my cat. Like, you know what I mean? I need very, very slow mornings and very, and that's, um, I've told that to even some of my friends who aren't autistic and they say that it helps them so much since they started implementing that. I just make my home and my space like my sensory heaven my favorite place to be my um just filled with my favorite foods and I make sure that wherever I'm going I have a little piece of that with me and I just to have like like I have my comfort show just like on in my headphones I have like my current comfort show that I one of those shows that I watch over and over and over again and like my fidget toys my earplugs just like it's just about whatever I find comfortable I don't judge myself for doing things differently anymore I'm like it's okay that I have this part of my life that's very different than what everyone else does this is what makes me happy this is what helps me and it's made me just a happier person. It's okay that I drink like six cups of tea in the morning. It's fine. Yeah. Like <laughs> I love that you found what works for you because everyone is unique. Everyone's individual, bio-individual. Like I really love that you have found a couple of things that work for you. Moving into our DM questions, please can you tell us the funniest, wildest, intriguing, inspirational DM or inspirational DM you have ever received? Oh, oh my God. Wait, let me think. I've had, I mean, I've, you did save someone's life. Like when I, when you were saying yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, I was, was like, like oh, that's oh, oh yeah. Honestly, that was because that was the like, cause I had at that point I had just made like a couple of videos about neurodivergence. Like it was just like maybe like three or four. And then I got that DM and I was like, I need to do this more. I need yeah. to talk about this more. I need to implement this more in my life. I should stop hiding it because it was always something that I hid. And the fact that like, I mean, all of the messages that I get from people being like, me too, this is like, this is what I do. Just hearing everyone that I wasn't alone because I felt very alone for the longest time. Like I had this big secret, like I was secretly a lizard person or something which would be kind of cool, but like, no. <laughs> I think that'd be dope. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Just feeling that I like wasn't alone each one. I mean, I, I try not to read my DMs anymore because it's just like, it's very overwhelming. But I, I read them sometimes, but like, it's just, there's so many that I like, um, there's so many. I just, I just <laughs> but like, yeah. You read mine. Very, 
Oh yes, it, it can just gone. be. That was nice. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Yeah. yeah, I try not to read too many. You know what I mean? I won't go down and like scroll and like read all of them. Like, yeah. oh yeah. But I try to read as many as I can. It really, really helps me and motivates me to know that like I'm helping other people and helping people feel seen because I really needed that. Like honestly, I really, really did. And also, I got a DM from someone I did theater with way back in the day in Wisconsin he was just like oh congrats on everything like I love your content also I just saw that Emrata your photo and I was like what and, <laughs> and then I looked and Emrata I mean she probably has someone liking photos for her but like no she liked your photo yeah. Not, see, like, I'm holding on to that because literally my friend was just like, my friend was just like, you do realize that, like, it probably was like someone running her account. And I was like, don't take yeah. this away from me. And Ryan liked my photo. She's in love with me. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yes, probably. <laughs> I don't think she, you know what, for that, I a thousand percent percent believe that it was her who liked your photo I agree I agree because like that's such a minor thing to like liking someone's picture yeah. like she's not gonna have somebody like going through that's right too- I think responding yeah. to dms yeah it's probably someone else but liking someone's photo is not someone else who's doing yeah. that work for you yeah yeah oh my god so maybe like- she can be your wife on our show <gasps> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. No, I know she's like partnered and like and like pregnant, right? Or is she but like for our fictional show? I think we could have her on there. Wait, fictional, yeah. She doesn't even because when do you ever see their husbands? Never. 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 Oh, yeah, never. I mean on Beverly Hills sometimes, but like also Ken. Ken is always there. Yeah, he's always <laughs> there. Ken is always there no yeah <laughs> like <laughs> okay yeah we'll go to the car wash we'll talk about this and Rada will be my wife yeah, I will be the yes. villain I will be like that's my child <laughs> yeah oh yes the drama well, and we'll that we can create. a podcast when we're doing this whole thing and so that everyone can hear what happens and you know, Imrata has her own podcast too, which is a very like, like. wellness forward podcast. She does. And here we are, it. here we are causing drama. <laughs> here we are causing conflict. I I didn't, I don't even, I can't even conceptualize like what her voice sounds like. You know what I mean? Like I like, I've only seen pictures of her, but I haven't heard a lot from her. You know what I mean? Okay. So maybe I should start, maybe I should listen to Emrata's voice before I decide to be her wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. of my life with someone who has a very weird voice <laughs> no, 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 no. West village. people see us yeah my friends have seen her walking like with oh. her little stroller so i'll tell them to stop her next time and be like hey my friends they have a pitching idea for you yeah we don't have we don't have that much money to offer you but but it'll be really good <laughs> it's gonna be worth your time yeah <laughs> It'll be so good. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I like, I'm very in love with that, but I did not mean she is. I think she has a weird voice. Oh no. Even if she did have a weird voice, like I, I wouldn't care. I mean, like I have a weird voice. I'm from like, I'm from Milwaukee and my parents are Southern. I have a combination of two of the worst accents in America. Okay. Hold on. I actually really like the Southern accent, like Matthew McConaughey's accent. 
obsessed oh yeah oh southern accents are so oh i've been watching dan have you seen dancing queen on netflix no oh it's oh my god it's so did you ever watch dance moms no no but i, I know i the tried show. to wait yeah. i think i know who you might be talking that really sassy girl maybe really sassy girl we've been following her since she was like a really small child on oh jojo dance moms jojo yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, jojo. jojo oh i'm obsessed with jojo i'm like i love that she's that she's one of us god i love her i'm not thinking of jojo because jojo actually was on the kardashians and she was like friends with north or something right oh yeah she babysat north <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> what yeah I just can't so wait for JoJo strange. to be like a Lady Gaga. Like I feel like JoJo's gonna be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I mean, she's already like a like an icon, but like I can't wait until she's like older and just like just you know like yeah until she's older and and she like makes like really insane queer anthems. Like I'm just like I, I just I'm so excited. But oh oh the uh, dancing queen Alyssa Edwards the drag queen, yeah. So basically it's Dance Moms. So Alyssa Edwards was a very, very famous drag queen on Drag Race. And she, she's been owning and like running a dance studio in Texas for like, like years and years, even before Drag Race. And like, she still does it. And like, even though she's like touring the world and stuff, she still like teaches at the dance studio. And this show only has one season. I wish I has more because it's like Dance Moms, which Dance Moms are the most insane moms of like any sport. Like they're just like, they're just like, my daughter deserved a solo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you ever, I mean, Dance Moms is great minus the child abuse the child Ooh. abuse is not great but because abby does do that but i i say dancing queen is like dance moms minus the child abuse plus Alyssa edwards which is like Alyssa's so funny she's like she's just like very extra and it's just like and it's just like land those turns land those turns girl like you know what i mean like she's just it's just so funny and seeing like you know especially with what's happening right now with like the drag bands and stuff seeing like you know a drag queen who's like passionate about teaching children and just seeing like the kids be very inspired by her it will, oh it's so good I wish it had more than one season it's so good and the moms are so funny and so like insane I just I love it like I just love angry moms it's so funny I'm adding that to my list of reality tv shows that I shouldn't be watching but I might watch <laughs> oh gonna get so depressed by the end because you're gonna be like who's on the elite team like <laughs> like um it's because it only got one season and it's but I highly recommend it dancing queen it's so good so good adding it oh. so the dm of the week asks and I'm gonna change it a little bit because it's just boxing you in as a comedian and I think you are a lot more than that so I'm gonna ask it as what's your favorite part of being in this industry content creator comedian actor Ooh, I mean like I just love the different like I I genuinely love like my favorite thing to do is to sit with people and like listen and talk about what I'm passionate about like obviously you've noticed I love to talk <laughs> but um hearing what other people are passionate about 
and hearing other people's perspectives and point of views. And like, even when it's something really sad and kind of, you know, injustice or hearing what people have been through, I just love hearing other people's perspectives and hearing like a good idea for like a, I mean, it's like my, my ultimate goal in this industry. And I'm kind of using social media to accomplish that. I'm not sure really how yet, but I really want to like make a sitcom like Shit's Creek. Like that's like my dream. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, Schitt's Creek is like my favorite. Besides Avatar The Last Airbender, my favorite show of all time. It's gold. Oh, it's it's comedy gold. I just love it so much. It's just awkward as hell and just so funny. I just love it. And my favorite thing in the world, like when we were talking about like a good show idea, that is like just getting really excited about that. That's what like sparks my brain and like lights it on fire. Like, oh my God, let's create this and this and this and this and this. I love the like connections I can make with people because I find it very hard to connect with people sometimes. And I love connecting with people through a good idea and through a good idea that will make people laugh and make people happy and make their days better and hearing other people's perspectives and other people's ideas. Like when someone tells me their good idea for a TV show or like their good idea for a movie or script or tells me about like a project that they're working on that's really good. I get so excited. I get stupid excited for them, like for real. Not in a way that like, oh, I need to be a part of this. Like, I mean, it's great if I if I can be, but like it's, that's not the forefront thing on my mind. It's I'm so happy for this person because that's so cool and I can't wait to see that. You know what yeah. I mean? I just get stupid excited for like good shit and good content and like for people's stories to be told. You know what I mean? Like that's what really makes me happy. I, I think that. that's the perfect way to close this out. Beth, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and stay up to date on everything that you're working on? Thank you for having me, but this is so much fun. For I'm real. so like, happy I you came on. Best yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Beth Burnham and on TikTok at Beth Burnham with two M's. Yes, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. You are such a delight and just learning more about you, getting to know you has been so awesome. And I'm so happy that you said yes and that we got to connect. Thank you so much for having me. This was the best time ever. Y'all are lovely. And we got it, girl. We got it. We got it. We got We got it at the car wash. Yes. We have a big show coming up, actually. This is just the beginning. So yeah, this is just the beginning. Oh my God. Yeah. No, this is. DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.